A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in His Son. Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name. Get out here right now. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master's Dog episode 78. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm, or you could call me the Master's Dog, either one. Um, today's episode is going to go back to our roots, which is the, the history of this podcast. It was started as a response to the Saints Unscripted podcast, uh, their segment called Faith and Beliefs. They started doing uh, podcasts with, they started with the Articles of Faith, the LDS Articles of Faith. And I thought, I really would like to do response videos to all of those. So initially I called it Faith and Beliefs Refuted. And then it just grew into uh, dealing with all kinds of false teachers um, in within evangelical Christianity, you know, heretics and so on. But this, the core still is responding to these videos by uh, Saints Unscripted, The Faith and Beliefs, because I made a commitment that no matter what they post, I would respond to it. And uh, and some of them have been, well, you know, I don't really feel like there's really that much to respond to because it's not something that is really a faith or a belief. It's just like their history. Um, but then there's ones like today that really do have some significance to play into 
their beliefs and so on. So we're going to jump into this video. We're going to respond to uh, David and he's going to talk to us a little bit. We, a few, well, I guess it's been a couple of months now. We talked about the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon. Now he's going to talk about the eight witnesses of the, of the Book of Mormon. So with all that being said, we are going to jump in and let David tell us about the eight witnesses. Hey guys, so here's the deal. Joseph Smith claimed that the Book of Mormon was translated from an ancient set of gold-colored metal plates. Joseph was permitted to show this ancient record to several people who could then testify to the world that they were actually real. Their testimonies are found in the pages preceding each Book of Mormon. We have the testimony of the three witnesses and the testimony of the eight witnesses. We've already learned about each of the three witnesses in these episodes. And in this episode, we're going to look at the eight witnesses. So let's get going. Okay, before he gets going, um, again, it's interesting the way that the, the plates have changed in their description. And a lot of this is, is uh, Bill McKeever's doing from uh, Mormon Research Ministries. Uh, he, at, at the Manti pageant and at other places, and even Sandra Tanner in the Utah Lighthouse Ministry Bookstore, they have lead plates, which would be, I guess lighter than gold um and so and much smaller than what the the dimensions and so on and they have these to to try to show the weight of of these plates and just how much gold plates would weigh if joseph smith actually had gold plates and the stories of him running through carrying them uh, essentially we would say carrying them like a football under his arm running from robbers stuff like that which would be impossible with gold plates all my childhood, all my childhood, growing up, these were called the golden plates. They were, we all believe that they were plates made of gold. And now they're plates that have a golden appearance because they couldn't possibly be gold and have Joseph Smith live up to the things that he claimed about them. So I needed to explain that. So the story of what the eight witnesses saw is very simple. In June of 1829, in the Manchester Palmyra area, Joseph Smith brought eight people out to a spot where the Smith family would sometimes pray, and he simply showed those eight people the plates. There were no angels, there was no celestial glory, it was one dude showing the plates to eight other dudes on a normal summer afternoon. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Four of the witnesses were brothers, Christian, Jacob, Peter, and John Whitmer, along with their brother-in-law, Hiram Page. The remaining three were two of Joseph Smith's brothers, Hiram and Samuel, as well as his father, Joseph Smith Sr. They testified that... Okay, so there really is a... a, a a issue with that i mean in the reality of it is i mean if you were if you were going to show them to eight different people it would be more uh credible trustworthy if you had a little more uh diversity within the witnesses that you have because again these are essentially two families three if you really kind of Break it down four if you want to get, you know, subtract the brother-in-law. So it's very, uh, I'm trying to think of the word I should use for, uh, it wouldn't be really nepotism, but 
kind of in a in a sense uh it i mean it's familial it it really is and so immediately that casts some doubt does it does it completely remove uh all credibility no but it definitely does and then the whole fact of why do you have to go out to this place where joseph smith family prayed why not just do it in you know most dudes show other dude stuff like just sitting there in the in the kitchen or something like that you know, let's go out to the garage. If I'm a dude showing another dude, you know, my football card collection, I do it right here. I don't go out to, you know, I don't have to go out to a grove where my family regularly prays to prove to somebody that I have two actual real Walter Payton rookie cards, right? I don't have to do that. I do that. Hey, look here, I've got these two Walter Payton rookie cards. Yeah, granted, they're in they're in plastic sleeves. You can't touch them or, or anything like that, but you can tell and look and see. You can tell that these are real. I don't have to take you out somewhere where religious ritual generally happens. That Joseph has shown us the plates of which have been spoken, which have the appearance of gold. And as many of the leaves as the said Smith has translated, we did handle with our hands. And we also saw the engravings thereon, all of which has the appearance of ancient work. We have seen and hefted and know of a surety that the said smith has got the plates of which we have spoken. And we give our names unto the world to witness unto the world that which we have seen. And we lie not, God bearing witness of it. And sure enough, those eight witnesses held to their testimony for the rest of their lives. Even Jacob Whitmer, John Whitmer, and Hiram Page, who all later either left or were excommunicated from the church, continued to testify that those plates were real. They could have thrown Joseph under the bus. Whoa, speedball! And denied the whole thing. It would have been so easy to just say, you know what, I think Joseph pulled the wool over our eyes. But they never do. There's one really cool story about John Whitmer that occurred in 1839 in Missouri, not long after he'd been excommunicated. The Saints had been forced out of Missouri, but a guy named Theodore Turley stuck around to settle some of the church's financial business. John Whitmer shows up with like five other guys, the infamous anti-Latter-day Saint Samuel Bogart among them, and these guys start pressuring Turley to deny his testimony. Turley turns to John and asks John what he thinks about the Book of Mormon, having been one of the witnesses of the plates. John replies, I now say I handled those plates. There was fine engravings on both sides. I handled them. Naturally, Turley then asked him if he accepted the translation of the plates. Speaking of the engravings on the record, John said, well, I cannot read it, and I do not know whether it is true or not. In other words, even at his worst, in a strictly anti-Latter-day Saint community, right in front of people hostile to the faith, all John can say is, I can't read. <laughs> well, Yes, the, the plates are absolutely real, but I couldn't read the engravings, so who knows what they said. Who knows? Many years later, in 1876, after some of the bitterness had faded, John Whitmer told Herman Smith, I conclude you have read the Book of Mormon, together with the testimonies that are thereto attached. In which testimonies you read my name subscribed as one of the eight witnesses to said book. That testimony was, is, and will be true henceforth and forever. Now, some people learn about the witnesses and think, well, lots of people throughout history have testified to stuff that never happened, so... Why should I believe you? Others are suspicious of the fact that all of these eight witnesses were either friends or family of Joseph Smith. You can go that route if you want to. You could approach the witnesses of Christ's resurrection in a similar way. Maybe no. the disciples just aren't to be taken seriously. Maybe it's all a conspiracy, seeing as how the only witnesses were conveniently Christ's own followers. Okay. This is not true, David. 
This is again, this is where I have to call you on your deception. This is not true. What did Paul say? Jesus appeared to the to uh, Paul or Peter and the disciples, um, then to him as one abnormally born, and then to over or to how did Paul say it? He appeared to first he appeared to the apostles, then he appeared to over five hundred brothers, all of, and some of whom were still alive. So it wasn't just the apostles that saw the resurrected Christ. Five hundred people in the area of Jerusalem saw Jesus risen from the dead and then Paul saw him. Jesus came, knocked Paul off of his horse, converted Paul, drew him to himself as he persecuted the church. So you you can't make this this analogy. Only 11, 12 if you count Joseph and 13 if you count Emma and a handful of other people, less than 30 people saw these plates. Not many hefted them. You know, most of them testified that they were under a blanket or they were under a sheet or they were hidden away or something like that. These guys say we saw the, the leaves that he had translated. So it doesn't say that they held the entire book. So again, I mean, there are issues even in and of this. But when you come and you try to make this kind of di distinction and lie about the, the, the revelation of the resurrected Christ... I'm going to call you on it, and I'm going to get angry about it, because you literally are taking and, and removing a whole segment of people who saw Christ resurrected to try to coincide this or make this uh, coincidental with the, um, I'm probably not using the right word, and people are drinking at me, but to uh, make this uh, on the same level as the witnesses of the Book of Mormon. So, no, David. It, far more than just the apostles saw the resurrected Christ and were witness to the resurrected Christ. Well, isn't that convenient for you? You can find ways to shrug off the witnesses if you want to. Contrary to the totally casual nature of their experience, some people believe these witnesses must have been worked up in a religious fervor. And they must have imagined the whole thing. Others believe Joseph simply induced a mass hallucination. We poisoned her with a psychotropic hallucinogen. Still others think that Joseph Smith somehow managed to secretly create fake plates. And some even believe Joseph showed the witnesses authentic ancient plates that he'd legitimately discovered, and he just made the rest up. For me personally, guys, those theories just don't do it for me, especially when you take into account the experiences of the other three witnesses and the several unofficial witnesses whom we have yet to talk about. I believe that they were telling the truth and that they truly did handle and heft the Book of Mormon plates. But ultimately, it's up to you to decide for yourself whether you accept the testimony of the witnesses or not. If you want to investigate further, a good place to start might be by reading the Book of Mormon. I've also thrown a few solid resources and notes in the description that might help. Have a great day. All right, so I've read the Book of Mormon and uh, granted it's false. And here's the thing, is whether or not the witnesses saw anything, whether it was a religious fervor, which there is documentation of Joseph taking people out and making them pray. And when they didn't see what he wanted them to see, he made them pray some more. And when they still didn't see what he wanted them to see, he made them pray some more until they said, okay, we see it. The three witnesses said they saw the plates with the eye of faith, is what, what the, the record counts that they saw it with the eye of faith, which makes me think they did not physically see or heft. It was a uh, 
whether it be hallucination, whether it be religious fervor, you can take any of those things. Maybe he did make some fabricated plates. Any of those things, here's the big issues that I have with them. Where is it now? Oh, God took it back to heaven. That is, uh, you, you can insert your your dodgeball uh, white Goodman uh, meme here. Isn't that convenient for you? It is very convenient that suddenly there's nothing that God didn't take any of the manuscripts of, of the Bible away. We have thousands upon thousands. Do we have the autographs, the originals? Probably not. Those are probably gone. But we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of corroborating manuscript evidence of the actual validity of the Bible. Nobody had to come together to testify that they witnessed the, the Old Testament. No one, it, Jesus didn't have to get anyone together to testify of any of these things. It is very secretive and very controversial, uh, conspiratorial, these things. They are very, they make it look very sketchy. That why would you, why would you bring it? Why, why would you have to go, well, you know, no one believes me about my golden plates because God won't let me show them to anybody but a few different people. These sound like the stories, the, the, the fairy tale stories of a teenage boy. That literally, if it were my son coming to me with some of the, the fanciful tales that Joseph Smith came with, I would punish him for lying. Or I would make him write a book and, and make millions because of an imagination. Depending on where he was where he went with it and how how hard he held to the um, to the lie, to the deception. It is very deceitful, the, the layout and the lead-up and all the things surrounding the translation of the Book of Mormon. I mean, as a child growing up, we saw pictures of Joseph with the plates and, and people sitting there. And then it suddenly became, when it came known that he put his face in a hat with a seer stone, a cultic much, that they, all those things changed. All the things changed from golden plates. The golden plates lay hidden deep in the mountainside. Right? That's a song that we sang um, when I was a kid. Book of Mormon stories that my teacher tells to me. All about the Lamanites in ancient history. Right? We, if you've been an LDS, member of the LDS, you know the song. And you know we were always taught they were golden plates. Shoot, I played the angel Moroni in a play when I was a kid and had to go give the plates to Joseph and take them back to heaven. So I've got all kinds of experience with phony plates. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a stretch. But it is all very conspiratorial. It's very deceitful in its nature. All of the things that surround the Book of Mormon. Why? Because it is a false book. It is not. It doesn't stand up to any test of historicity, bibliography, geography, any of those things. Historicity, nothing stands up the way that the Bible does. So you can't even compare the two. You cannot even compare the two in the way that, that they came about. The Book of Mormon is fake. It is, it is, it is the false testament of the false Christ with a false gospel descended from a false god presented by a false prophet. And if you are part of this religion, I urge you to get out now. Please come, you know, 
Go have a conversation with Sandra Tanner. Talk to Matt Slick. Talk to Bill McKeever. People far smarter than me. Uh, Aaron Shafawala, Jeff Durbin, James White, anybody. Or you can come talk to me. I'll have a conversation with you too. And I will walk you through the gospel of Jesus Christ and help you find a, a good, solid, Bible-believing, evangelical Christian church that you can go to, reformed, whatever. But I can help you find the true salvation that only the true Christ can, can provide because the false Christ of Mormonism cannot provide the salvation that you need. All the false Christ of Mormonism, all the Book of Mormon will do is lead you on that wide path that leads to destruction. And many are there that find it. And we would love to, all the names of the people I mentioned and myself, would love to help you be one of those who find the, the narrow gate that leads to life. And be one of the few are there that find that. And let us help you, and God will use us to draw you to himself. I'm, I'm fully convinced of that. But you have to get out of out of, out of the false religion of Mormonism first, and then I, I uh, to my Christian friends, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words; they are necessary. And until next time, soli deo gloria.